It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Good evening. I'm William Hosea. Welcome to Bring It On, a multiple award-winning show in our 13th year as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting African Americans. And good evening. I'm Cornelius Wright. In today's broadcast, you'll also hear from one incumbent and three aspiring African American politicians who want to serve the citizens of Monroe County. All in the next hour on Bring It On. First up, It's Women's History Month, and we will be highlighting the triumphs and challenges of women during this month's series of shows. Tonight, we are favored and fortunate to have two outstanding Bloomington women who are recipients of Achievement and Legacy Awards. Joining us this evening are Nicole Griffin and Beverly Callender Anderson. These ladies are recipients of two Distinguished Community Service Awards. On Monday, January 15th, Nicole was presented with the 2018 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Legacy Award, and on February 1st, Beverly received the City of Bloomington Bicentennial Recognition Award. Both honorees have joined us this evening to talk about these special distinctions. Ladies, welcome to Bring It On. Welcome and congratulations. Thank you. you. All right. Glad to have you here. So uh, the tables are turned a little bit here because for how how long have you been here, Nicole, in Bloomington? Well, I was actually born here. Born and raised here. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get much more here than that, does it? <laughs> <laughs> and Beverly? I've been here about 20 years. Okay. But in all that time, the two of you have worked and labored to kind of, at some level, make sure other people are recognized for what they do. But now you two have been recognized with two really distinctive awards uh, uh, from the uh, community here. So... I have to ask, what does it feel like to be on the other side now? And Nicole, I know I know it's different for you because you're just so humble and quiet. And I'm sorry, and you're saying that I'm not? Pissed <laughs> <laughs> off. Excuse me. Sorry. Let me scoot over and get out of the line of fire. You can't do that on air. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess I would just say I'm incredibly humbled and honored. Um, I think, you know, my goal every day is to do the best I can to be a contributing member to society, um, to do my best for my family um, and for the community. And so, you know, I do it out of just a labor of love in the sense that, you know, I think we all have the responsibility um, to make this world better. And so I don't do anything um, hoping for recognition. So number one, I was completely surprised. Um, and number two, um, just very grateful um, to my colleagues on the commission for the recognition and to the city of Bloomington. So um, it was quite an honor and um, something I will always remember. And Bev, when, when you answer this question, whatever you do, don't be humble and quiet, okay? Well, you know. But the truth is, both of you were surprised to get those awards, I was very right? surprised. I, I have to say I was not expecting it. Um, 
it was not on the agenda that I had in my hand. Um, so uh, people that know me know I have, you know, some tendencies toward control. Um, just just tendencies, they are. I've heard rumors. <laughs> um, so I wasn't quite sure what was going on. So I, I was very surprised. But, um, you know, like Nicole, I don't do things for the recognition of it. I, I have a philosophy of leaving a place better than I found it. And so that's just my my goal in in doing what I do, whether it's professionally, whether it's in my volunteer um, endeavors or, um, you know, wherever. I just I just want to leave a place better than I found it. So uh, the fact that the Black History Month committee sought fit to saw fit to um, honor me is I mean, I'm I, w- I was humbled. I, w- I was speechless. I, I really was. I didn't have much to say. You were speechless? Okay, sort of. Okay. Okay, <laughs> just a little. Well, we want to thank both of you for the contributions that you make to the community, um, your inspiration to, to the community, uh, not only to the other women, but to the men in the community. But, you know, this is kind of a special year. There's a lot of different movements going on, the Me Too movement. Um, with those type of things going on, was this award even a little more special? Don't know that I thought about it from that perspective. Um, I think that with all the Me Too movement, Black Lives Matter, Time's Up, whatever it is, I think it's time for everyone to have a voice in how their lives are impacted. And I think that I have that voice through what I do. Um, I've been lucky enough to have a job that I probably would do um, some parts of it, even if I weren't being paid for it, because I love it that much. Um, but, you know, not everybody has that that ability and that that opportunity. So I think the different movements that are happening does allow people to um, to have voice in what's happening in their own lives and and to say, you know, what they will and won't stand for anymore. And, you know, that's I think that's a good thing. So, um, Beverly, you mentioned uh, that you watched all four hours I of did. The Oscars, right? Yes. So what what do you think about the the uh ratio of awards between the men and the women? Six women and thirty three men. I mean, not only the awards, but the nominations. I mean, yeah. I, one of the things that I had a discussion about <clears throat> earlier was how many first there still are that in twenty eighteen there are still there are still the first African-American original screenwriter getting an award or the first female director being nominated or, or whatever it is. And and so it just, it continues to amaze me that we still have first. Um, but I do think that with some of the speeches last night and some of the challenges, especially the one at the very end from F- Frances McDormand, I think her name is, um, that, you know, that's putting people on notice that, you know, we're here, we're coming as women, as people of color, as, you know, people who are different than that that white middle class norm, male norm. Um, and so, you know, suck it up and get used to it. So, Nicole, did you watch all four hours of it last night? I can't say that I watched all four hours. I had to kind of, you know, multitask, but um, I did watch a good portion of it. Now, I didn't see any of it. What, what about African-American women? How were they represented last night? Well, there were African-American women nominated, I know, in Best Supporting Actress. I think that may be it. I'm not, I'm not sure where else, but definitely in Best Supporting Actress. Who was it? Oh, um, of course you would ask me that. Um, 
We can have our staff Google it real quick. Yeah, it was it was the woman that was in the help that won for the help. But I can't digest oh, her name. Octavia. Octavia Spencer. Yeah, yeah. So she her was name in the front row most me. of the most of yeah. the evening. With, mm-hmm. uh, wasn't her picture up for best picture of the year? One of the pictures. Yeah, she was it actually won. won. Yeah, yeah. Won. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. it won. So that was a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, Nicole, as you mentioned earlier, you've been raised here in Bloomington. This mm-hmm. is home for you, and you know, <laughs> over, over the years, um, there's been different struggles for for blacks in the community, but especially for, for women. Um, what changes do you see now, and what would you tell the young women in the community how they can get into serving a little bit more and uh, just being themselves here in Monroe County? I mean, I think that Bloomington is definitely a place where I really feel like you have <clears throat> opportunities to explore your passions and to um, pursue um things that you're interested in, whether it's um, whether it's for a career or for volunteer work. And I think, I guess I feel like um, Bloomington is an accessible community in the sense that I feel like you're able to reach out to people. For example, serving on commissions and boards, that's one great way to get involved um, as far as different organizations. You know, when I look at um, the Democratic Women's Caucus, for example, that is a very powerful organization and um, to look at all of those women that come together and support each other to look at the number of female candidates we have um, even this year in the primaries um, is pretty exciting so I think that we have um, not only women but also men people of color people from the LGBT community I think there are opportunities for everybody uh, to move forward and I think that Bloomington is different in that way uh, than many communities Clearly, it's not perfect, but I think we definitely have come a long way. So what you mentioned, the the, uh, DWC, what Mm -hmm. other organizations did the two of you belong to? And and please stop at 10. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm a member of the NAACP. Um, I'm trying to think of the other organizations. Obviously, I uh, volunteer at my son's school, um, church groups. I'm having trouble thinking of an entire list, so I will let <laughs> Beverly jump in. So I am a member of PEO, which is a philanthropic educational organization for women. We support women's uh, educational efforts. I'm a member of the Positive Link Advisory Board, the Bloom Magazine Advisory Board, uh, the Monroe County Opioid Commission. Seven. That's not seven. <laughs> And the United Methodist Women of First United Methodist Church. So I, uh, and I gave up some things, so I needed to balance. That's a lot. I, I honestly don't know how you keep up. But yeah. Nicole, you also do some uh, work for the uh, African American art display at IU. Is that right? So my husband Donald and I serve on the advisory board okay. and, for and the what, Eskenazi Museum of Art. Okay. So how do you interact with them exactly? You help uh, procure art, African-American art? So we, we work to create a group that does assist the museum in acquiring African-American art. Um, so that is uh, one of the things uh, that we uh, do together. Okay. You know, one, one of the things that it, it's good to see, such as Black History Month just ended, mm-hmm. a long month for, for all of us, but it's something that should be celebrated 365 days a year and we're here in in women's history month again it's something that's good to see but once again it should be celebrated Mm -hmm. 365 
What type of things would the both of you like to see happening during Women's History Month to kind of stand out and make a difference? Um, one of the things I think I would like to see during Women's History Month, I, th- I think I'd like to see a mashup of Black History Month and Women's History Month or Black History Month, Hispanic Heritage Month and Women's History Month where we see what is happening, what the status is of women of color in Bloomington and you know what we're doing and we do some highlights of that. I agree that both Women's History Month, Hispanic Heritage Month, well, I said both, but um, Women's History, whatever, those three ought to be celebrated all year round and maybe not celebrated but ought to be in our consciousness all year round. Um, I think the celebration is just is just that. It's a celebration of people and events, but but the that history should be taught in classrooms, that the right way, the true history, um, should be taught in classrooms. And we should be talking about this all year round, not just in February and March or or Martin Luther King Day. So but as far as a highlight, I would love to see in Bloomington just um, people, women of color highlighted for once. Yeah. Nicole? I guess, you know, I think just with everything going on, um, again, I struggle with the idea, like Beverly, that we do kind of celebrate people, you know, during a month when it seems like there might be other people who pretty much get to be celebrated year round. So um, I guess when I think about, um Women's History Month, for example, I think that, you know, I, I love that we have the Women's History Month luncheon and congratulations to you, Cornelia, I mean, oh William, on your granddaughter. Um, <laughs> so I... Um, Are you going to have to expand on that just a little bit now for our listeners? Well... So we have, I think, is it seven women that are being honored yes. yeah. for seven. Women's History Month? And William's granddaughter is one of the women who is being honored as Woman of the Year. And I uh, think maybe she might be one of the youngest women she, ever, ever to be honored. Yes. So yeah. I think, you know, even just looking at that, that's really exciting to see that I think a lot of times we tend to honor people who we feel are mature or we feel have reached a certain point. So I think that's really exciting that we are honoring. Mm-hmm. people um, that are young who are already making a difference uh-huh. and who will continue to make a difference. So I think more things like that, more opportunities to honor, honor and celebrate um, people who are making a change. Even if I think about uh, the young people in Florida and all that they're doing to help us think about um, gun control, you know, that is really inspiring to me because for me, if I think about those young people, this is not their fight. This is our responsibility as adults. And um, I'm thankful that they are willing to take a stand and to help us remember, you know, what we need to do. So again, I just think that we can, we have opportunities to expand on the celebrations and to figure out um, how we can remember and honor people year round. You mentioned uh, serving on boards and commissions mm-hmm. as a good way to get involved in mm-hmm. the community. And, and there are so many uh, more different types of organizations to get involved with. But Mm -hmm. as far as organizations that advocate specifically for women like the DWC, Mm -hmm. can you think of uh, any other organizations that you that that uh, would actually uh, benefit our community? Well, there's the National Organization for Women. They have a chapter here. 
Um, and I think it depends on what people are interested in. I mean, it's one thing. There are some people that are just sort of interested in doing things that that involve women. Like I said, I was involved with PEO, which is an organization that's just for women. But yeah, that, that's um, my question. I'm sorry. That is exactly my question. Yeah, but but there are other organizations that people would. I mean, maybe they're interested in bike pad issues and and women are very welcome to be on the bike pad commission or redevelopment or I mean but I mean just specifically for women there's the commission on the status of women there are organizations like PEO like the National Organization for Women like the DWC um yeah so I mean but but you know the DWC is political uh-huh. um you know so it just depends on what you want to do can you think of any organizations that are not established here yet that that uh is there anything missing for um, women well you know one of the things that i think a couple of things to answer that question one i think that bloomington is a really good place for women i mean when you think back um to when mary alice dunlap was mayor there were probably no other female mayors especially i know in indiana i wouldn't i would say around the country and so so we've been on the front end of women in politics and women in leadership for a very long time um I think there there are different social organizations. I know there are Jack and Jills and uh, different kind links and different kinds of clubs around the country. Um, yeah. But but the the beauty of Bloomington is that if we want one, we can have one. Can have one. Um, one of the reasons I always said I stayed in Bloomington is that if you get three people together and you have an idea, you got a committee, and then all of a sudden you got a program, and then there's an event, and you look around and you've been doing it for ten years. So um, I think if there were something that people really wanted to do, that that we could come together and do it. Is there a good town-gown relationship um, with, with the women in the community? Uh, you know, we've got a lot of students here at IU. Uh, is there any intermingling or, or different programs where the city and, and, and IU may be coming together to collaborate on different issues? Or So the city is part of a... Um, I, I can't even remember. It's it's a coordinating committee um, at IU, and that's where we talk about sort of housing and downtown issues and things like that. So that's a, a sort of town-gown relationship that we have. Um, we also have a relationship with a lot of the different schools where we have we get interns in. And I think that's where we probably make our most impact because we have interns that come into our office. They may stay a semester. Most of them will stay at least an academic year. I had a couple of interns that stayed their whole four years in school. So, um, and then you do get to have an impact and you get to be on campus. And I know a lot of us, I mean, Nicole is on campus, but a lot of us get invited onto campus to speak to groups or to speak to classes. Um, I'm working with a capstone class right now, so I'm working with a lot of young people right now. So, you know, it's it's not probably a perfect town-gown relationship, but it's it's a working town-gown relationship. So we know the uh, the city is sponsoring this Women of the Year luncheon, right? Mm-hmm. So wait, can you tell us what IU is doing to recognize Women's History Month? I think that we are still uh, putting together our calendar, so I mm. am not sure yet, but I will definitely share that information with you once I have it. And, and uh, do you have the dates for the luncheon? So there is, I have two dates for you. There is a uh, Women's Leadership Development event this Thursday at I think the uh, registration is at 5.30 at City Hall. Um, and then there is, the luncheon is March 21st. Um, and it begins at, ele- well, the doors open at 11 um, at the convention center, Monroe County Convention Center. Um, <clears throat> can you put me out of my misery? I want to go back to something you said earlier. What's Jack and Jill? You've never heard of Jack and Jill. 
It's kind of a debutante type thing. Men and women get together. And, yeah. Oh, they call it something else on the East Coast. Yeah. Uh, what do they call it on the East? You're not from the East Coast. Uh, I spent a good portion of my life over there, though. <laughs> it was a cotillion, okay. I know, in California. Yeah, so it's, it, and it is, it's a social organization, okay. and they do debutante balls and okay. things like that. Yeah. Okay, didn't know that. Yeah. But you think they were in the playground doing something? <laughs> <laughs> All I know is the kind of uh, bathroom configuration when you're building a home. You know? <laughs> so I have a question. Sure. So how many female anchors do you have for Bring It On? We had uh, Amrita, and she had to take a sabbatical. We had Roberta. She just had to step away. We had, just, Beverly, Callender. We had Beverly Callender we Anderson. Had, we still have Leela. You still have Leela. Yeah. Okay. And so we're always in search mode, though. Okay. Yeah. Or to come back once again. There, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, just wa- I just wonder why there were two men interviewing us for Women's History Month. Okay. Only because the women were not available. Okay. Yes. I'm taking Roberta's Man, spot. You, you, don't mind, so. you don't mind, do you? Oh, no. Oh, no. Not okay. at all. So I'm curious, what other awards have you two received? Besides Mother of the Year, (laughs) Wife of the Year. (laughs) You're very kind. I received um, a Building Bridges Award um, in the early 2000s with um, Shalmer Thompson, and that was through IU. And then I also received a Woman of Vision Award from the Office of Women's Affairs at IU. Tell us a little about a little bit about the start of the Living Legends Award. Yeah. How did you come up with that wonderful idea, you and Donald? Well, Donald and I grew up here, as we discussed earlier, and I think that just came from us, you know, a lot of times you know, your parents tell you different things and sometimes it takes you becoming an adult to realize things. So I think that what happened for Donald and I was that we were looking around and we were realizing the opportunities that we have and um, just the blessings that we have. And, you know, our parents always tried to help us understand that the village that surrounded us here was made up of so many amazing people and that we needed to be thankful because we had no idea what these people had done so that we could have the opportunities that we have. So we started with Dexter very young, trying to help him understand who people were and what they had done um, so that he would understand um, his history and why we were able to do a lot of the things that we can do. And so we just thought, wouldn't it be nice to be able to recognize people and say thank you? Because I think a lot of times we just think that people get up, go to work, uh, do things for other people, and that's great. And we don't realize that you know maybe we should acknowledge people and let them know how much we appreciate um, everything that they've done. On kind of a follow-up with Beverly, uh, one of the things that I really enjoy about Black History Month is when we give out the Outstanding Black Male of the Year Award mm-hmm. at, at the banquet. And it always, in my mind, it keeps going, are we going to have something for our young black women to acknowledge them? Do they do that during Women's History Month? Or I mean, obviously, if we talked about William's granddaughter, right. but something, something well, like that. Well, we get that question a lot. And as you know, the, the Outstanding Black Male Leader Award is presented by the Commission on the Status of Black Males. And so we have challenged the Women's Commission to do something similar. Um, and I think what they have done, as opposed to just 
pulling out. They really have made an effort this year to be more inclusive in their programming and be more inclusive in their um, uh, what they were looking for as far as Woman of the Year. And so we do have four black women who will be getting the Woman of the Year Award. We have an African-American keynote speaker for the, the luncheon and then a, a African-American woman speaking at the leadership development event. But as far as the commission pulling out and just doing a separate award just for African-American women or just for women of color, they haven't done that. Okay. Yeah. Well, in the last couple of minutes, any words of wisdom from our award winners? I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to be here, and I want to thank you both for what you do on Bring It On. Um, it's an, a wonderful uh, service that you're doing to the community, and we really appreciate knowing that we can tune in on Monday nights and find out what's going on. So thank you. Yeah, And I agree with that. I, w- I would um, echo what Nicola said. And also for people who want to get involved and they, they want to find out about commissions or they want to find out, just figure out what your passion is and go after that and, and do what you do. And if anyone is interested, we uh, need female anchors. Absolutely. Absolutely, Nicole. (laughs) (laughs) Nicole. (laughs) The two Nicoles. We want to thank Nicole Griffin, the 2018 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Legacy Award recipient, and Beverly Callender Anderson, the City of Bloomington Bicentennial Recognition Award recipient, for helping us kick off Women's History Month. Bring It On has an open submission policy, so if you have an idea for this program, we would like to hear it. Please send your emails to our volunteer staff. The address is bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share any and everything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. That email address, once again, bringiton at wfhb.org.
Support for WFHB comes from the Buzzkirk Chumley Theater, presenting poet and activist Andrea Gibson tomorrow, March the 6th. Andrea Gibson's storytelling and poetry focuses on gender norms, politics, social reform, and sexuality. More information at the BCT box office or at buzzkirkchumley.org. Now, back to Bring It On. To keep up with local news and find out what's happening behind the scenes at WFHB, you're invited to like our Facebook page. Go to Facebook.com and search for WFHB, or you can always visit the news website at WFHB.org news. Bring It On is Indiana's only public affairs program dedicated to the African-American community. Here on WFHB 91.3 FM and live on the web at WFHB.org. For Bring It On, I'm Cornelius Wright. The following is a special footnote to this evening's broadcast. Mayor John Hamilton announced that seven local women will be honored during Women's History Month for their outstanding service to our community. Dr. Marissa Murray, Dr. Charlene Newman, Morgan Newman, and Phoebe Powell will each receive the Woman of the Year Award at a Women's History Month luncheon on Wednesday, March 21st. Liz Fatal and Sandy Keller I hope I pronounced it right. Have been chosen to receive the Toby Strout Lifetime Contribution Award, and Christy Pop will receive the Emerging Leader Award. We'll have more follow-up on this in sub- subsequent broadcasts. At the top of the hour, we shared that we have invited an incumbent and three aspiring African-American politicians who desire to serve the citizens of Bloomington and Monroe County. Joining us are Nicole Brown, incumbent, Monroe County Clerk of the Circuit Court, Nicole was elected to her position on March 21, 2016, replacing Linda Robbins, who had resigned due to health concerns on March 4th of that year. Nicole assists the circuit court judges in the execution of their judicial duties by preparing, recording, and maintaining court documents. The clerk's office also manages the court's docket and traffic court. Previously, Nicole had served as the interim clerk after Robbins' resignation. Jeffrey Bradley is running for judge of the Monroe County Circuit Court 10th uh, Judicial Circuit, number eight. He is originally from Louisville, Kentucky. He attended Indiana University Bloomington, and after receiving a Bachelor of Arts degree in 1991, he pursued and earned his Juris Doctorate at Indiana University Bloomington from the Maurer School of Law in 1994. From 1994 through 2001, he enjoyed a legal career in Ohio with the Clinton County Prosecutor's Office. From 2001 to 2003, He worked in Lexington, Kentucky at the University of Kentucky. He returned to Indiana in 2003 and was a law clerk at Ferguson & Ferguson. In 2005, he joined the Monroe County Prosecutor's Office as a misdemeanor deputy prosecuting attorney. He is currently a felony deputy prosecuting attorney and supervises the undergraduate interns and law clerks and served as an instructor for criminal law at the Indiana Law Enforcement Academy at IU. He's married to Megan Ray and has two children, Catherine and John Wiley. On January 10th, 2018, the co-directors of Indiana Election Division certified that Alfonso Almans filed a declaration of candidacy for the Office of Judge of the Monroe Circuit Court, 10th Judicial Circuit Number 8, for the Democratic Party primary election to be held on May 8, 2018. For over 37 years, Al has served the community as a general and appellate practitioner of law, representing clients in criminal defense, civil litigation, probate, bankruptcy, 
domestic relations, civil rights, and public administration with consistent professional distinction, according to the Indiana Bar Foundation. All his adult life, Al has worked hard for equality and justice in our society. Al is a member of the Monroe County Bar Association, Indiana Bar Association, American Bar Association, and the U.S. Supreme Court. Al contends that the law binds and unifies the dimensions of the social, political, and economic fabric of our diversity, and no person is above the law. Last but not least, Byron Turner. Byron R. Turner II, candidate for Monroe County Community School Corporation, has been a lifelong advocate for children in education. During college, Brian served as a student lobbyist for the Federation of Private Colleges, helping to secure need-based grant funding. Byron has also worked for the Gary Community School Corporation, spending a majority of his time at the Dr. Bernard C. Watson Academy for Boys. Byron was appointed to the City of, the City of Bloomington Commission on the Status of Black Males in January of 2017, and he currently works for the Monroe County Department of Child Services as a family case manager. Byron believes that the MCCSC has the capacity to lead the state and the nation in what a school corporation can achieve. He believes this community is committed to the success of our children. This is why he feels that now is the time for those who intend to nurture, care for, and lead this community into the future should stand up. He asserts that as the assault on public education continues to escalate, we in Monroe County have the capacity to be a beacon for others to follow to light the way as a community that operates in both an ethical and moral capacity that goes above and beyond our simple due diligence. We have the potential to be an academic, operational, communal, and intellectually philo philosophical lighthouse showing a navigable route through these turbulent times. So Welcome I, all. Thank you. Thank you for thank having you. us. Now, I want to start with Nicole. <coughs> and we'll go around the horn. If any, those were some lengthy... Uh, introductions so if anybody wants to correct anything for the record now's the time <laughs> well it sounded like i need to correct i was actually linda robbins chief deputy clerk while she was clerk of monroe county okay i was appointed to that position in january 2012 okay thank you for allowing me to correct that you are most welcome al i don't i didn't hear any uh thing that i want to correct at this point there's more to it of course but and we're no. going to get to that yes sir jeff the only thing I would point out is I went to IU School of Law before it became Maurer School of Law. So I graduated back in 1994. So there was a name change. I still have IU some School hats that say <laughs> IU School of Law. I, mean, I, it, I wear that proudly. It didn't cancel out your degree. Or it didn't cancel out my degree. <laughs> I didn't get anything from it, the changes. Everything sounded great to me. Okay. So I tell you what. I have a question for um, all of you. How about we go around the horn in like about two minutes, tell us why you decided to seek an elected office and why this particular office that, that, that you're running for. Ladies first. Okay. It, it, Women's History Month. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much. I am so proud and excited to be running for Monroe County Clerk. This will actually be my first term. I was caucused in as the clerk in March of 2016. I'm excited to run for clerk because I believe it is an opportunity to make a difference. I wake up wanting to make a difference, and my slogan is making a difference and making it count. Um, so the opportunity to oversee the vote 
in Monroe County and elections um, and to represent that it was above board, that it was done with integrity um, is something that is incredibly meaningful to me. And to assist people who come into the office who would not otherwise be there typically unless there was an issue with which they needed the court's help. Okay. Uh, I run before uh, for the office of a judge in Monroe Circuit Court. I've been interested in that path of my career, basically, because it's simply a natural outgrowth of my profession. I have an interest in justice and equality of law all my adult life. I think that if I made a contribution over the years, even though I wasn't successful in running for the office, I was able to discuss the issues that I saw relevant to the court system. And some of those ideas have prevailed over the years in different ways by the court adopting them or the prosecutors adopted them. Uh, it's been very good, I think. I still want to continue with that path. I had decided back in 2016 in the primary which I lost that I was going to run again. This particular office, I understood, was going to be available, seat eight, because I had personally talked with the judge about the availability of this office. But the politics of things in Cabrillo County can be pretty complex. You don't know who you're going to run against and when to do that. When it's timely, now it's timely. So I must run again. And I do really want this position uh, very badly. Not because uh, I'm trying to make any particular statement, but I also want to be a judge. I believe I can serve my community very well in that position, given my experience. Just so our audience can keep up, that was uh, Al Mann's talking now, uh, just now. And coincidentally, Al and Jeff are running for the same office. Go ahead, Jeff. Sure, that's correct. And this is my first foray into the election process. I've served in different roles over the last 20 plus years, but this is my first chance to ever run for office. So really the seed of running for judge was planted by my first judge I worked for, uh, G. Allen Gano in Clinton County, Ohio. When he retired a few years back, he had that conversation with me of, so what happens next? What are you doing next with your career? And at that point in time, I was, my reaction was keep working and keep doing what I'm doing. But he's, he looked at me and said, you should think about running for judge. And he planted that seed, I'll be honest. It, it sat dormant. It wasn't something I just sat there. I had a conversation that I, I decided well, this is what I should do. Yeah, seeds have a tendency to do that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but when things came to light in the last about year or so, when the different judges were indicating that they weren't going to be uh, returning to our office at the end of this year, um, I had various attorneys, some other folks in the community approach me and talk to me about you should consider the prospect of running for judge. And they started talking to you about, you know, what the qualities are for a judge, what they want to see in a judge. And you go home and you talk to your family. You always talk to your family um, and reflect about, you know, is this a, a natural path for me to follow? And is this something I want to do with my career? And, and how can I, you know, not only assist the community, but uh, the legal community as well? And, you know, taking everything together, I thought this was a, a great opportunity, a great time to continue my professional career and just do it a little bit different in civic in, um, involvement here in Monroe County. And so, you know, led me last spring to make that decision to um, 
run for judge. All right, and Byron. Okay, Byron. Um, well, the reason I decided to seek office, um, school board, um, is because I have always had a passion for education, um, starting from an extremely young age. Um, I, I'm seeking this office because there, there are no other, um, no other people of color. Um, there's no people who work directly um, with children sitting on the school board. Um, there's no one, um, and, I, and I hate to be wrong on this, but I don't believe there's anyone under 45 on the school board. Um, you know, I really believe that um, some youthfulness is needed. Um, now, while I may be young, I, I have a lot of people in this community who I look up to and who are, give great guidance, uh, many of the people, all of the people in this room. <laughs> I was going to ask you that. Yes. <laughs> um, and I, the reason I decided to run now is because um, I believe the stakes are incredibly high um, right now. Um, we are at the time of the census. Um, it's time to do um, redistricting for school board and how um, school board trustees are elected. And I think it's imperative that a person with the values that I feel Bloomington holds sits on the board. Um, it's not only that, I think it's, um, it's incredibly important that a person with um, a similar background to me sits on the board. Um, I work in um, child welfare currently, and every day I get to, um, I get to see the the trauma our children are experiencing. Um, some do the poverty, some do the substance abuse, many do to the opioid crisis that is affecting our community. Um, and I want to make sure that our community is prepared for these young children who may be two, three, four now, and who will be spending the next 12 years in our school. Are we ready for them? And what do we need to do to be ready for them? So that's why I'm, I'm running for school board. You know, one of the wow. things that I hear from, from all of the candidates, uh, one incumbent and in, 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 uh, three candidates, is the passion, that you're passionate about the issue of, of what you're doing. Um, Excuse me. Nicole, I, I was just kind of wondering, do you know who your opponent is going to be? Has anyone actually filed? Do you, are you, uh, how that whole thing is going on? Do you have someone in the primaries and then? In the primary, I do not. Okay. I will face an opponent in the general election in November. And yes, I am familiar with that Alrighty. opponent. Um, Al, I'd like to ask you a question. Um, and we had, I realized we have to tread carefully when we're speaking with judicial candidates. But you have uh, <coughs> indicated that you will not accept organizational endorsements. That's Is correct. that accurate? That's correct. I, can you elaborate on that a little bit? I'm really curious about that. Okay. I want to be very careful about my answer because I don't want to offend anyone. And what are organizational... What was it, William? 
endorsements. Endorsements. Well, it's been in the past in Merrill County. We have basically some political action committees and groups and caucuses, such as the well, the the, um, the Black Caucus is relatively new, but we've had the Democratic uh, Democrats from Merrill County, and we also have the Women's Caucus. I've been supportive of women uh, for a long time in various forms in, in any of the activities since I've been in Bloomington fighting for women for equality. The Democratic Women Caucus, the Women's Caucus is a very fine organization and it promotes uh, women to get involved in politics and to learn how to engage the system. Okay, Those activities are very good and I find that to be the true of the uh, it was the Black Caucus as well as a, a new organization. That's what we should be doing, trying to reach to the diverse parties, where the, GL, the, the uh, gay community would probably be doing the very same thing. What I learned, though, from my experience in involvement with the Democrats from Rural County, that they have this endorsement process where uh, people who become members of that organization, and then they vote on who should be endorsed. They may also vote who will get received monies from the organization. What happens is the process becomes very political in itself. Now, I've been a Democrat all my adult life. It's time for Democrats to be united in my sense. But I find that process to be divisive. I also find it to be unfairly discriminatory. And without time and the outcome, it is very demeaning. And a good, very good example is what happened just recently last, I think it's Friday, with the Women's Caucus. I think the Women's Caucus is a very fine organization. Many of the people who are participating in it and who are running for office, I know. Two candidates who I know are very qualified were not endorsed. Two years ago, two persons who were running for judge were not endorsed by the way they voted. One is now a judge. And, and it, it, the, part, the, the selection process should be done by the public. I just feel the organizations should give, do the best they can to get people involved and have them speak at their particular uh, organizational activities and forums, but not get in the process of voting. Also what happens is, is that people will stack the deck against others. I don't have a large committee. If you don't have a large committee of folks, you don't have a large committee of people who join the membership. Those in the membership get the vote. They then stack the deck against the others. Consequently, that becomes a result. Now, I would not take up too much time. I could force the complaint years ago with the Democratic, the, the Democratic Women's Caucus about this. I was referred to some others to talk about it, but no result. I had a representative of my committee address this years ago. No result. I sent a letter. No result. When I experienced what I experienced the last time I ran for office, I was really upset, with the, not with the Democratic caucus, but with the, Dem the Democrats from Merrill County. I had vowed then that I would not participate in a uh, process of of, um, of endorsement, the judge is supposed to be independent. 
impartial, and be able to have good temperament. For me to accept an endorsement, it means that I may want favoritism, or at least to give the impression that I favor a group. So therefore, I also think that it's necessary, unnecessary for us to have that kind of process. Okay, you tend to paint all packs with a broad brush. Yes. All of your reasons for not accepting endorsements were, were everything that uh, could go wrong. But it doesn't always play out that way. And I, w- wait, wait a minute. Go ahead. So the endorsement process, it doesn't mean that you are that you end up beholden to any organizations or that somebody stacks the deck. It just on the other hand, it means that that candidate represents the values of that organization better than the other candidate. So, you, you know, you seem kind of and I'll, I'll be blunt, overly cynical towards the endorsement process from more organizations. But that doesn't mean, I'm not trying to say that um, they're perfect, but it doesn't seem as doom, you know, in my limited experience uh, being involved with these organizations, it doesn't seem as gloom and doom as you paint it. But I want to go to Jeff. Well, I like to respond to what you just okay, said. Okay, we'll come back to you. But okay. I want Jeff to respond uh, and since he does accept uh, endorsements, I want to hear his point of view. Well, on this particular question, um, for myself, I haven't been in the process before. So it would be a little bit of a challenge for me to um, talk heavily about maybe the aspects to what um, Al has talked about. He's, um, I think he's pointed for his own personal experience and things that he's had seen and had gone over the last several, I think, election cycles. So it would be it would be really difficult for me to talk about that area um, because I'm not too familiar with it. I haven't I haven't worked with any of the organizations before, and I haven't been part of the process in um, in any manner. So I'm really not in the best position to give a um, I guess would be a, a, a counter or a statement regarding what Al's talking about. But I, I think what Al's it's and he can correct me if I'm wrong. It's from it's from his heart of what he's dealt with and what he's observed and how he how he perceives things. So I don't think I'm in the best place to, um, I guess, question or, or challenge anything it might be that Al has gone through. Um, what I'll, for myself, um, I just look forward to the opportunity to interact with the different groups, um, having a chance to participate in their events and their forums, and um, you know, learning more about what um, they want to know about myself as a candidate and what type of things that they're interested in, um, individuals that are running for office. It doesn't mean that I'm, I'm going to make myself beholden anyone or change who I am or change what kind of um, you know, resume or what kind of uh, person I'm going to be. Um, but it, would, it does present, I think, a wonderful opportunity to see different people um, and hear what they have to say. I mean, that's one of the, the things that we've... Mm-hmm. I've, I've found that this experience has been um, rewarding as I've gotten to meet a lot more people than I probably have known in over time. So, you know, Byron, I know we've we've talked as during during our status of black males meeting, and one of one of the problems that we've had is diversity in, in some of the curriculum and some of the things that are going on in the school district. Would you like to comment on some of those from the perspective of a person of color? Yes. Um, so. Last week, um, we there was a meeting on the curriculum 
um, specifically the social studies curriculum and the um, whitewashing of some black history material. Um, the school put together a, um, a committee or a small council. They went and reviewed all of the fifth grade social studies um, weekly readers and material. Um, they, after reviewing it, they found they did not like it and the school um, cut their contract with this company. Uh, I think I think it's imperative that we look at all of our curriculum in the exact same way. Um, now, there, I think some people could take issue with the type of committee, who was on the committee, how diverse that committee was, but their the their criteria for evaluation, I think, was solid, and I think as we um, we go forward as a school system. We really need to evaluate everything we're um, giving out to children. Um, and it that takes time and that takes man hours, but uh, I think it's imperative we do it. All right, thank you. We've got a couple of minutes left here. Um, we'd like to kind of like go around the horn and give everyone an opportunity for a couple of minutes to make a last statement here. And we're going to definitely have to bring everyone back again because there's so many more issues to discuss. Nicole? Well, I just want to thank you for offering each of us this platform tonight. Um, it's always a pleasure to be here, and I just want to wish my fellow candidates good luck with your races. Uh, we'll see each other at a lot of events between now and the general election. And... Uh, so good luck with everything. Al. Yes, thank you very much. I appreciate your invitation to participate in this exercise. I, as I told William, I would participate in any group, any group or forum to participate to discuss the issues of the community. And I really appreciate it. I don't want to appear to be cynical. I'm just being honest. And I do have a passion for this profession. I love this community. I love what I do as a lawyer. And all I want to do is make things fair for everybody. I need Jeff. And again, I'll echo what you already heard, but thank you for having us this evening. Um, I really enjoyed the opportunity to um, talk not only here in the studio, but to reach some of our viewers, our listeners out there. And for my campaign, uh, you can go to Facebook, Bradley for Judge. Um, it's the number four. So if you're interested, want to learn more about myself or contact me if you're interested in any aspect of the campaign. I'd love to, um, to meet in, as many people in this community as I can. And Byron. Of course, thank you all. Uh, thank you, fellow candidates. Um, I'd just like everyone to know that um, in a school board election, you can vote. It's a countywide election. You can vote for whoever you would like. There are no districts. Um, and to please go all the way to the bottom of the ballot because <laughs> we're at the very end. Thank you. Okay. You, we ran out of time tonight, but... Um, for our listening audience, all four candidates will be participating in a candidate forum scheduled for the 19th and 20th of March, and we'll be putting out more details uh, in our next broadcast. All right, our thanks to Nicole Brown, Jeff Bradley, Al Manns, and Byron Turner for joining us to share their platforms and aspirations for public office in Bloomington and Monroe County. <coughs> Excuse me. If you have an event or happening the African American community should know about, please send the info directly to the Bring It On staff. Or, if you want additional information about a calendar item or what you've heard tonight, contact us at bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to thank Nicole Griffin, the 2018 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Legacy Award recipient, 
and Beverly Callender Anderson, the City of Bloomington Bicentennial Recognition Award recipient for helping us kick off Women's History Month. Our show's producer is Clarence Boone, with help from WFHB News Department Director Wes Martin. Our board engineer is Chris Martin. Our original theme music was created by Jamil Effiam, with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I'm Cornelius Wright. I'm William Hosea. Tune in next Monday, March 12th at 6 p.m. for another exciting edition of Bring It On, right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.